But besides gifts, I want to share with you today what I think is probably one of the greatest things, if not the greatest reason of why Christmas is so amazing. Yes, we get to give gifts and we get to receive gifts and we get to have family over and we get to have uh, food. It's a reason just to eat a lot. But I think one of the greatest reasons of why Christmas is so amazing is coming from Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 says, The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now watch this. Which means God is with us. The most amazing thing about Christmas is that God came to earth. Think about this. God became a man so that he could reach men. He didn't send a message. He didn't send a smoke signal. He didn't send a list of rules. He sent himself to come. This is the greatest news that we have on the planet, that Jesus himself shows up on the scene, and he could have easily come in all different ways. He could have just straight up, you know, has he ascended into the clouds? He could have just straight up, you know, come down. He could have easily done that, you know, already 30 years old. You know, he could have been a man, but no, he chose to come through a teenage girl the regular way in birth, ultimately so he could save us, but God is with us. And so today I want to share with you, not only is that fact amazing, that God is with us and that he is the greatest Christmas gift you can receive this Christmas, but he comes and he brings gifts with him. Jesus brings gifts. Jesus is the only one who has a birthday party and everybody else gets gifts but him. Come on, let's think about that. Think about your birthday party. Everybody comes over and you're giving gifts to everybody else. That's what this season is all about. It's about Jesus giving gifts to us. So let's talk about it. I got three gifts that I feel like Jesus has really given us when he came on this earth. Here are the three gifts that Jesus gave us. Number one is the gift of hope. The gift of hope. The gift of hope. Now, I have a, a bit of an aversion to birthday parties. Anybody in here? Like, I don't really care for birthday parties. I'm not big on birthday parties. If I've never been to your kid's birthday party, it's nothing against you. I just don't like birthday parties. Um, I don't even really honestly do my own birthday party that much. Um, I, I, I'm just one, like to just go hang out with friends and type of things. Um, I'll tell you my biggest aversion with birthday parties is the whole blowing out of the candles Okay, is there any other tradition that comes with food where you're asking a four-year-old to spit on your food? Come on, let's just be honest here. How many know a four-year-old, when he's blowing a candle, he ain't just blowing air? So, so can I give you some words of advice if you go to any birthday parties during the next uh, couple of weeks? The flu's around. Just want to let you know. Um, but I, I'm just not really big on that. I don't, you know, get a, a steak and say, hey, you know, to the waiter, hey, do you mind blowing on it as well? That would just help us out. Uh, I'm not big on that. I don't eat cake that has been blown on by anybody else. Um, I, the other thing that kind of I always thought was just honestly really weird was right before you go to blow out your birthday candles, they're like, what? Have you said your birthday wish? I'm like, what? What are we talking about here? Yeah, you got to have a birthday wish, you know, and then you got to somehow, you know, think of something that you would really wish for and you, you know, go through the tradition of spitting on everybody else's cake after that. And, and then I, I've never met anybody that was, you know, in their 20s or 30s and like, man, how's life going? Man, I'm just living the dream. All of my birthday wishes have come true. I've just never 
I've never met anybody like that. And I think, honestly, hope and birthday wishes can almost kind of be in the same category. Like, we, we hope for things. I hope you have a good year. And, hey, I hope you have a great Christmas. And, hey, I hope the saints win. And, hey, I hope. We, we get all these hopes. And it's kind of almost like birthday wishes. Like, man, I, I wish that this would happen. But there's got to be something greater to hope than just hoping for situations and circumstances to pan out. You know, we're all seeking something. We're all seeking hope. And, uh, and back in the Christmas story, there were these three guys that were seeking the same thing. Um, the Bible calls them magi or wise men in Matthew chapter 2. And these guys, um, it says in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For he, we, fought, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, just, just don't want to throw your Christmas off, but just want to let you know, and your manger scene may look a little weird, though. The wise men were actually not at the manger scene. Did you know that? The wise men were actually, they, they believe, a year to two years late uh, to getting to the manger scene, which would, just tells me if that would have been three wise women, um, they would have asked for direction, gotten there on time, helped deliver the baby, made a casserole, cleaned up everything, and then, you know, brought practical gifts. I mean, come on. What is Jesus going to do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? I mean, they would have brought, you know, a crib, all that kind of stuff. But this is the wise men. They're seeking something greater than they have. Now, think about these wise men. The Bible says that they're wise, so they're intellectually very smart. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the most expensive gifts you could possibly bring. So we know that they were not only wise and prestigious, we know that they had plenty of possessions, they were very, very wealthy men. And yet, you look at this, even though these guys had power and prestige and money, which is what, by the way, our world tells you that if you want to have any hope in this world, you better make sure you have power, prestige, and money. Notice that even though they had all that, they were still looking for more. They were still looking for more because they realized that their hope was not found in their power, their prestige, or their money. Their hope was found in something else. And so that's why they came looking for Jesus. I think it's the same is true for all of us is that our hope is only as powerful as what it's connected to. And as Christians, our hope is not in our emotions. Our hope is not in our finances. Our hope is not in our relationships. Our hope is not tied to uh, what we possess. Our hope is not tied to um, our plans or our careers. Come on, as Christians, how many know our hope is tied to Jesus? It is anchored to Jesus. Jesus is our hope, and your hope is only as good as what it's connected to. If your hope is in your marriage, what happens when it doesn't work? If your hope is in your finances, what happens when you lose your job? If your hope is in something beyond Jesus, most of that can be taken away from you. But for these guys, they realized that they needed to have something that was more hopeful than anything that they possessed. And I believe that's the same for us in this Christmas story, we need to realize that we need a source that is bigger than us, a source of hope. Romans would say it this way. Look what Romans chapter 15 says. Romans chapter 15 says, I pray that God, now watch this. Everybody say this with me. The source, the source of hope. If you're looking for hope this Christmas, it will not be found in what you have. It will not be found in everything that's going around you. It will be the source of hope. The source of hope is God. And he will 
fill you completely with joy and with peace because you trust in him. And now watch this. And then, so when we put our hope in Christ, when we put our hope in Jesus, then you will overflow with confident hope, with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So one of the gifts that I think that Jesus brings when he came to earth was he came and he brings hope. How many know in, the, in this story, the Christmas story, these people had no hope, no hope at all. How many know we have a lot of people in our society right now that have no hope? Many people have put their hope in the White House, but how many know real hope is found in God's house? It's not found in the White House, okay? No president, no government will ever give you the hope that you desperately long for. It can only be found in God. The second gift that he gives us is the gift of peace. The gift of peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this. I know it says 6-9, but it's actually switched. It's Isaiah 9-6. says this. Now look, it says, it says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And everybody say these last three words with me. And Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Prince of peace. Now, one of the names of Jesus would be Prince of Peace. Now, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about how crazy it is that the Prince of Peace was born in the most unpeaceful place. If you thought about the story that actually surrounds Christmas, first off, can you imagine that there is a virgin teenage girl that's got to, you know, call her, call her man up. Hey, Joe, listen, listen, Joe. Um, I got a bit of news. What's up? I'm pregnant. What? By who? Oh, Joe, it's okay. God did it. God did it. Are you? I've heard that one before. <laughs> I've heard that one before. No, really. God did that. And then, of course, an angel shows up to Joe and says, I did do it. I did it. Okay, so take her, and, and, and I want you now to travel. And so now they're going to travel. And, and think about now she's pregnant. She's nine months pregnant, and she doesn't jump into her uh, Chevy Tahoe and take a little road trip. No, she, she gets on a donkey which we know definitely has got some incredible shock absorbers at nine months pregnant. How I many you know that's peaceful? Has anybody driven with a pregnant woman in a car, nevertheless a donkey? I, man, we need to give some props to Joe, man. He was on this trip with her, okay? She's on this trip. She's got to travel to Bethlehem. And then, of course, to make the matters worse, not only is she about to birth the Savior of the world, not only is she in, in excruciating pain from riding this donkey for who knows how many miles across the country, Joseph forgot to make reservations. So they show up to find a place to stay, and nobody wants to take them in. How many know that's a peaceful situation? Anybody in here, any, any guys in here, you've ever been lost Lost and your wife thinks she's got a better direction, sense of direction. How many know that car is real peaceful at that moment? She just, you're not, I'm not even looking at you. I'm not even looking at you. Just stop, pull over. I'm not even looking at you. Google, help me out here. I'm not even looking at you. All right. This is the moment of what's going on. They arrive, they don't have anywhere to stay. It's not a peaceful, and then all of a sudden, finally, the innkeeper says, Okay, yeah, we do maybe have one little place that you can stay. Um, it might stink a little. But they, of course, put them in a manger scene, which was not actually uh, what we normally see. It was actually kind of in a cave area. It was a, a cleft within a cave that animals stayed in. And, and here we are. They show up in the most filthiest, nastiest, dirtiest, coldest place ever. And here comes the Prince of Peace. 
Wow. Prince of Peace came in the most unpeaceful place, in the most unpeaceful way. Why would he do that? Because he could have came anyway. I think Jesus was wanting us to understand that wherever he is, he brings peace. Wherever Jesus shows up, he brings peace. Notice when Jesus resurrected, if you know the story of when Jesus resurrected and he saw his 12 disciples, his 12 disciples were in a room and they were all scared for their life. And the Bible says that Jesus literally walks through the door, didn't open the door, walked through the door. And here's the first thing that he says with them, peace be with you. It's what we normally say, you know, in religious settings, peace be with you, peace be with you. We don't even know what we're saying. Peace be with you, not with you, with you, okay? This is actually, Jesus said these words. He said, peace be with you. This is what he was actually saying. You ready? This is what he's saying. Peace is here. It's here. When Jesus showed up as a baby, peace was here. The prince of peace was here. When Jesus strolls up in the room, he says, the prince is here. I'm here to tell you today more than anything for God, peace has nothing to do with the absence of fear or the absence of trouble. Instead, it has everything to do with the presence of Christ. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It is the presence of Christ. Peace is not when you get a clear doctor's report. Peace is not when you have no conflict in your marriage. Peace isn't uh, an absolute certainty that your future is guaranteed. It's the knowledge and the fact that Christ is with you even if the report comes back that you have cancer. That you can still have peace even if a week before Christmas you find out that you don't have a job in 2018. Peace is here. Because your peace is not tied to that thing. Your peace is tied to someone. And when Jesus is there, peace is there. Maybe the reason your home is not filled with peace is because Jesus has not been in it. If Jesus was in your home, he brings peace with him. Come on, somebody. Hope and peace. Look at look what John chapter 14 says this. The peace I give you is a what? Everybody say it out loud. It's a, it's a gift. The peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. Here's one thing that I know about a gift. You have to receive it. You got to receive it. You never get a gift that you don't receive. And some people don't have peace, not because they don't want it. It's because they didn't receive it. Because you thought that your gift, your peace came through other ways. And I'm here to tell you on this incredible Christmas Eve that the greatest peace that you're longing for in your heart and in your mind will not be found in anything outside of Jesus. Jesus is the gift of peace. And here's the last one, number three. This is one of the greatest ones, of course, is the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness. Today, verse Luke chapter two says, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. A savior, a savior. You know, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need was entertainment, then God would send us an, an entertainer. If our greatest need was information, God would have sent us a scientist or someone that could teach us different things. If our greatest need was money, God would have sent us an economist. But our greatest need was actually salvation, so God sent us a savior. And that's the greatest news of this story, is that we're not mistakers who need a second chance. We're sinners who need a savior. There's a difference. You're not a good person who accidentally makes some mistakes. No, you are a sinner that needs a savior. Merry Christmas and welcome to our Savior's Church.
And you don't realize that that is actually the greatest news on the planet. Because if it all relied on how good you are, when are you good enough? You'll always live in a constant state of guilt because you'll never know if you're good enough for God. And the greatest news of the planet is that Jesus came. He came to save us, to forgive us. Matthew 1 says, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Listen to me very closely. You've probably seen the bumper stickers. You've seen the lapels. You've seen the shirts. How many of you seen the shirts that say, Jesus is the reason? Yeah, yeah, you all know it. You've been in church long enough. Jesus is the reason for the season. That is true. It is true. But can I take it a, a little deeper? That statement is absolutely truth. But the greater truth is, you're the reason for the season. Because if you didn't need what Jesus had, he wouldn't have come. But because you needed what Jesus had, he came for you. So you're the reason for the season. You're the reason that Jesus came as a baby. This is the truth. And when Jesus showed up in the stable, he was declaring to the world that there's no place he will not go, no heart too broken, no life too messy, no sin too great, no person too hard, no distance too far, and there is no person he cannot reach. That is what the manger scene tells us, is that Jesus shows up and that he can show up in any moment. Why would he show up in a cave in obscurity? Because he can tell us, I can show up anywhere and with anyone. This is the story of Christmas, that Jesus comes to forgive us of our sins, that the Christmas story, the cradle, was actually the beginning, but the crucifixion was the end. That's where he was going, was ultimately to go to the cross. See, listen, the greatest gift you can receive this Christmas will not be under a tree. It hung on a tree. His name's Jesus. That's the greatest gift. And I pray when you look at that beautifully decorated Christmas tree that you have in your home, that you would think about the other tree, the tree that not only illuminates, but the tree that brings great life into your heart, which is the cross. The gift of forgiveness that God came, his sole mission, I came to seek and save those who were lost. That is the story of the gospel of Christmas, that the good news that Jesus came, he came. He came not only to give us hope, he came not only to give us peace, but he came to give us forgiveness. Matthew 2 says this, and we'll wrap it up. It says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. This is the wise men. And it says, and they entered into the house, and they saw the child was with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own way, to their own country by another route. I think from the story of the wise men, there's three things we can take away today. Ready? This is the three things I think that we can do. This is how we can respond to the greatest news that brings the greatest joy on the planet. First thing that they did is they bowed down and worshiped him. The greatest thing you can do this Christmas is just to surrender it all. Say, God, you're the king. You're the Lord. When they walked into, notice, the wise men that had all prestige walked in and saw a baby. They bowed to the baby because they recognized that that baby was the king of the world. 
Notice the other thing that they did is they opened up their treasure and gave some of the greatest gifts. And I think for us, for this Christmas, the greatest thing that you can do is you can give. Now, of course, you're going to give gifts to family members and to in-laws and outlaws and all that stuff. Um, you're going to give gifts. But I'm going to tell you right now, the greatest gift that you can give, you can't buy. The greatest gift that you can give, of course, is to say, God, I'm going all in. I'm going all in. For some of you, 2017, year, 2017 has been a year that you can't wait to get out of. And for others of you, 2017 has been a year that your life has drastically changed. And for some of you, the truth is, is that you can't wait to get into 2018 because you've, you walked through some stuff in 2017. And all of us have walked through stuff in 2017. Some of you have an empty seat at your table this year. Some of you got some news you didn't want to get. Some of you lost jobs, some of you lost loved ones, some of you lost your mind. Don't look at them, okay, so. Um, but can I tell you, the greatest thing that can lead you into 2018 is for you to go, God, I'm giving you everything this year. You got it all. I'm gonna give you my best. Jesus don't like leftovers. He likes the best. What would it look like in 2018 if you said, you know what? I'm going to show up at church every time they open the doors. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get plugged in. I'm just going to go all in. And if you're not from here, get, get involved somewhere in some church. It doesn't have to be this church. Our church is not the greatest, even though I think it is. Um, but get plugged somewhere. Get connected somewhere. Give Jesus your life. And then last is, if you notice in the last verse, it says that they returned a different way. I think that just meant they, they left different. Here's the cool thing about Jesus is after you encounter Jesus, you really truly encounter Jesus, your life is never the same. He messes you up in a good way. So here's my, here's my Christmas prayer for you, is that you would surrender your life to Jesus if you haven't. You'd say, I'm going all in. Take steps to follow Jesus this next year. And that your life would never be the same. That you'd walk away differently. That's my prayer this Christmas.